Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Mysterious Benedict Society Read Aloud Podcast Book 4. Today we will be reading chapter 5, but first a recap of chapter 4. So McCracken came to the house while the children were there, and thankfully Constance was able to trick him into thinking that they were not there. Constance also told them that she picked up on some terrible thoughts about hurting people coming from McCracken, except they weren't just thoughts, they were plans. The children tried to get in touch with Mr. Benedict while the listener was kept asleep to try and figure out what their next step would be. They did receive a riddle from him, but they didn't quite hear the last line because the listener was woken up by McCracken. Chapter 5. Mysterious Doors and Not-So-Secret Catches To her extreme irritation, Constance was unsure how much the listener had heard of Mr. Benedict's message. Perhaps none of it, perhaps all of it. The moment she'd sensed the listener eavesdropping, she'd begun blasting images and jumbles of words in her mind, at the same time warning Mr. Benedict to say no more. I don't think I need to warn him, though, Constance spoke without her friends looking at her, still gathered around the easy chair. I think he noticed her listening as soon as I did. He was obviously being careful from the beginning, Rennie said. He was communicating in a way that wouldn't reveal where we are or what his plan might be. It was just like that in the old days of the Institute, wasn't it? Kate said. He was being cryptic, giving us clues he thinks only we can figure out. But, um, Constance, I don't suppose you heard the last line, did you? Did Mr. Benedict finish it before he went quiet? Constance glanced to her sideways and shrugged uneasily. I kind of heard it. Stucky clapped a hand to the top of his head. What do you mean by kind of? Do you realize that we need... Constance flew out of the chair, grabbed Stiggy's shirt in her fists, and pulled him forward until his face was inches from her own, punctuating her words with tugs on his shirt. She hissed, I was and am a little busy, George. There was a frightened silence. Then Sticky, very quietly and smoothly, said, I'm sorry I expressed frustration, Constance. I realize you're under a great deal of pressure, and I in no way mean to suggest that you're to blame for the challenging circumstances in which we find ourselves. Furthermore, I appreciate your calling me by my given name, knowing as you do that I've been trying to make strides in that direction. Constance blinked. She had actually called him George out of an angry reflex, for Sticky used to dislike his given name, but she decided not to reveal this fact. Instead, she groaned, released his shirt, and flopped back into the chair. It's weird now that you're so good-looking, she muttered wearily. You can say pretty much anything, and it makes me want to believe you. Rennie and Kate murmured their agreement. Sticky bit his lip. Anyway, Constance said, I think I got the gist of the last part. Something about going through a door made out of clay, the kind that the French use? A French door, Kate pressed. Is that what he meant? I guess, Constance said. What's a French door? For a moment, no one spoke. The others were still sometimes amazed by the things Constance didn't know. Only a month ago, for instance, she'd accidentally revealed that she didn't know what the circulatory system was. She seemed to think it was a method of drawing perfect circles and had insisted Kate to teach it to her. Rennie turned to Sticky. Care to do the honors? Sure, Sticky said, clearing his throat. Do you think we're talking about American French doors or British French doors? Because the British refer to the French doors, they typically mean casement windows that extend to floor level and open onto a garden or balcony or the like. They're also often called French windows, which really makes better sense, don't you think? In this country, though, Constance, the term French doors typically means two adjoining doors that have glass panes from top to bottom that open in the middle. So they're very similar architectural features in some ways, but not identical. Constance was staring bleakly at him. But neither of them is made of clay? Sticky shook his head. Constance closed her eyes. I give up. Sticky, Rennie ventured, can you think of any doors that are made of clay? Some kinds of masonry ovens, maybe? Kilns? Sticky confirmed that, indeed, several types of masonry ovens 
also known as brick ovens, stone ovens, or even clome ovens, though that term was used exclusively in the English counties of Devon and Cornwall. Kate cut in. They all have doors made out of clay? Not necessarily, Stiggy said, but sometimes. Not helpful yet, Kate said, casting a look at Rennie. Or is it? Rennie shook his head. Not yet. We'll get there enough. We should start at... Here, however, Rennie's words were interrupted by the appearance of Ty Lai, who pattered sleepily into the room. His hair was newly tangled from the pillow, and his arms were wrapped around a fire-engine red bucket. Well, hello, young man, Kate said. What have you got there? Ty grinned. Your bucket! It's still stuffing it. I don't know how to open it, though, he said, setting the bucket on the floor and kneeling beside it. Does it have secret catches, too? Like the chest in Rennie's study? That's where I found it. Yes, indeed, said Kate, and with a skeptical look at Rennie, who shook his head in a silent reply, she went over to demonstrate how to open the bucket's flip top. So Rennie showed you the secret catches on his chest. Ty shrugged and pulled a horseshoe magnet from his pouch inside the bucket. He just said that it was getting out of your spyglass. I had to press so hard it hurt my fingers. Does this stick to metal? As he spoke, he moved the magnet toward the side of the bucket. With a sharp clang, the ends of the magnet snapped fast to the bucket. Ty laughed and tried to pull the magnet away, but he only succeeded in dragging the bucket across the floor. Ty, Rennie said, I don't remember telling you about the catches. Did I say that out loud, or do I say it in my head? The little boy, having dragged the bucket all the way over to the dining table, paused in his efforts to consider. Oh, yes, it was in your head. He sat on his bottom, pressed his bare feet against the side of the bucket, and yanked on the magnet with both hands. When it came free, he tumbled backward with a delighted squeal. Then he righted himself and immediately stuck the magnet to the bucket again. The others in the room were exchanging troubled looks. Sticky turned to Rennie. Were you concentrating especially hard on the catches? He asked in a low tone. I barely even thought of them, Rennie said. If anything, I was concentrating more on everything else. It happens that way sometimes, Constance said. You all remember how it used to be with me. So we're going to have to be on our guard whenever he's in the room, Sticky muttered. Just like we do with you. Or used to do, I mean. Kay made a face. Ugh, I hate doing that. It hurts my brain. Constance fixed her with a look. You do remember that I'm doing the same thing right now, don't you? Every single second? Complain some more, Kate. You're right, you're right, Kate said quickly. Sorry, it's not a problem. One problem we do have, though, Rennie said, frowning, is that in order to figure out Mr. Benedict's message, we need to concentrate. But if Constance concentrates... Oh, Sticky gasped. Right. The listener might hear whatever she's thinking. Did that occur to you, Constance, or... He trailed off, for Constance was looking at them each in turn, her face a mask of resentment, and tears suddenly standing in her eyes. I get it, she said quietly. She glanced across the room to where Ty was still entertaining himself with Kate's magnet. You can't risk having me around. Okay, that's fine. Just a second, Constance, Rennie said. That's not necessarily... Ty, Constance crawled in a tremendous voice. If you need me, I'll be in my room. She wiped her eyes with the rumpled sleeve of her suit jacket, cast one bitter look at Rennie, and stalked out. They all looked glumly after her. That went well, Sticky muttered. Across the room, Ty made a whimpering sound and climbed to his feet. His face was puzzled. Is Constance okay? It felt like she was sad, and now she isn't answering my thoughts. Can we ask her to come back? Rennie forced himself to turn from the door. She's okay, he called, trying to sound carefree. Don't worry, she'll be back soon. To the others more quietly, he said, We need to keep in mind that anything Ty overhears might end up in Constance's head as well. They might not be able to help it. Right, Sticky said, so we're trying to protect multiple layers of secrets. Maybe we should ask Captain Plug to look after him. I don't want to go there, Ty cried, running over to them with big eyes. I don't know her. You didn't know us either until a little while ago, Squirt, he said. Captain Plug is great. I don't want... It's fine, it's fine, Rennie said quickly. She isn't back yet anyway. I haven't heard her motorcycle. We'll introduce you to her later, Ty. Right now, why don't you go back and play with the magnet? Everything's fine. Ty hesitated. 
And Constance is fine, too? His eyes roamed their faces, which all instantly adopted reassuring expressions. Constance is going to be great, Rennie said, which wasn't exactly what Ty had asked him, but the boy seemed satisfied. With a look of relief, he gave Rennie a hug and wandered back to the bucket by the table. The older three took deep breaths and turned and held together. Okay, Kate said softly. You were going to say we should start at the beginning, Rennie? So let's do that. What does he mean, where one who stands defies the name? What name, and who is the one standing? He might not have meant a specific person, Siggy suggested. By one, he might have meant anyone. You know, any person. That's true, Kate agreed. So if any random person, or I guess we don't know for sure, so it might also be a specific person. But anyway, if some person, whoever Mr. Benedict means, makes some kind of defiant stand. She shook her head. I don't know. What are you thinking, Rennie? Big feet! This last came from Ty, who trotted over back to them with Kate's bucket. He was using the magnet currently stuck to the side of the bucket as a second handle. Excuse me, Kate said. Rennie's thinking about big feet. Everyone looked at Rennie, who sighed. I was thinking about SQ, he said. I mean, that's one of the random things I was thinking about to keep a certain someone from hearing my deeper thoughts. I guess the big feet stood out to him. He uses big words, but his name is only two letters, Ty said. He had opened the bucket and was rummaging around in it. That's pretty funny. And we like him, right? Even though he's used to help Mr. Curtin do bad things, he didn't really mean to, and he's a good guy, right? That's right, Kate said. She reached into the bucket and took out three or three things, upon further reflection, that might not be suitable for a five-year-old boy to play with. She shoved them into her pocket. SQ is our friend. He comes here for dinner all the time. One day, when all of this is over, you can meet him. And see his big feet, Ty asked hopefully. Unless he forgets to bring them, Kate teased. Now listen, she said, with a furtive wink at Sticky and Rennie. I need to take a break to clear my head. You want to come with me and see my tranquilizer gun? Oh, yes, Ty squeaked. Can I hold it? Nope, Kate replied. Okay, Ty cried as if he was even more excited now. He scooped up Kate's bucket and ran toward the door. Maybe you two will solve it quickly if you don't have my run interference with this little one, Kate whispered. It's worth a shot, right? I'll keep him occupied until Captain Plug gets back. She joined Ty at the door and whispered something to him. He giggled, and together they turned and bowed, and backpedaled until they were out of sight. Well, that's a relief, Stiggy said. Definitely, Rennie affirmed. They were both still looking at the doorway, and neither of them actually felt relieved. Not counting intercom communications from opposite ends of the house, the two hadn't worked alone together to solve a problem in ages. When Rennie had suggested the plan to sneak off the ship, Stiggy had simply agreed to it. With the dangerous chemicals on the rooftop had needed urgent attention, it was Sticky's chest notification instructions that had made it possible. Rennie had only followed them. So when Rennie wondered was the last time they'd sat across from each other to figure something out, he wasn't sure. Sticky would remember, of course, and it occurred to Rennie that asking him would be a way to break the sudden tension. Hey, he said, turning to Sticky, when did... I guess, said Sticky at the same moment, sorry, you go first. No, you go ahead, Rennie said, as if Sticky had an idea. Rennie was determined to let him speak first. What were you thinking? Sticky, who had only begun to suggest that they were sit down, suddenly felt self-conscious. What if Rennie had already figured out Mr. Brunick's message? That wouldn't be unlike him. The last thing Sticky wanted to say was he was ready to get started, only to discover that Rennie had already finished. That shouldn't matter, he chased himself. The important thing is that we make progress. What Sticky said out loud, when he sensed Rennie waiting uncomfortably for a response, was this. I was just going to say that I guess you've probably already figured that out, haven't you? Mr. Bernick's message? Rennie said, caught off guard. How could he have possibly concentrated enough to figure that out yet? Uh, no, well, I just... He was about to suggest that they sit down and get started, but then he worried about seeming bossy. He didn't think it would seem bossy. It was a natural suggestion, given their history of sitting down together to work things out. But lately, he had had a hard time gauging his friend's feelings, and he didn't want to mess this up. You just what? Stiggy prompted. 
It wasn't like Rennie to hesitate so much, and Sticky's mind was racing, trying to figure out what the problem was. Rennie realized he wasn't looking Sticky in the eye. That was no good, he thought. First things first. Look your friend in the eye. And so he raised his gaze to meet Sticky's, but then hesitated again, unsure what to say. Sticky's disconcern cleared his throat and made a pretense of glancing at the clock. It occurred to him that Rennie was hesitating to speak because he didn't like what he was about to say. And what would that be? Sticky felt a wave of embarrassment wash over him. He thinks I'm a distraction, too. You know what, Sticky said quickly, rubbing his scalp. I, I should go up and deal with the mess on the roof. Why don't you work on this? I'll do that and we'll get back together in a little bit. I'll help you, Rennie cried, taken aback. What had he done to offend Sticky? We can talk while we're cleaning. No, that's okay, Sticky said, already moving for the door. Honestly, you'll probably get to the answers faster this way. Just let me know if you need anything. I'll be back down soon. It won't take long. Rennie opened his mouth to protest, but it was too late. Sticky was gone. Rennie closed his mouth and then eyes, and he stood there alone in the dining room. How in the world was he supposed to concentrate when one of his best friends was upset with him? They were supposed to have been prepared for a day like this, yet now that it had arrived, it was not going the way Rennie had imagined it would. Not at all. Thank you.